Hi, welcome to the Joy Outside podcast from Justice Outside. This podcast is about celebrating joy in the outdoors for people of color. Through each episode, we highlight the stories and experiences of Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are exploring the outdoors, finding joy and community there, and working for equity and justice. We will also share tips and tricks about enjoying the outdoors, whether that's through exploring your backyard, hiking, skiing, or in any other way. This podcast is hosted by my colleagues at Justice Outside, Norjahan Akbar, Susan Garcia, and myself. My name is Jacqueline Delgadillo, and I will be your host today. I am the Communications and Advocacy Associate at Justice Outside. I am based in Riverside, California, which is Ancahuila land. Some of my favorite outdoor activities include visiting the local farmer's market with my sister, going on walks with my puppy Layla, and simply enjoying a meal or a snack with a loved one while sitting outside. All right, so today I am going to be speaking with Lau Hernandez, who is Justice Outside's Outdoors Educator Institute Program Coordinator. Um, so to start, uh, tell us about Lau. All right, yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Lau Hernandez. Um, actually, my full name is Laura, uh, but I go li- by Lau here uh, just because there's another Laura here. Um yeah, I use they, them, a pronouns. Yeah, I think I hold a lot of different identities, um, but knowing who Justice Outside is and centering race, um, I am a 26-year-old Latine um, from Mexican descent. Um, I'm third generation, which means that my grandma immigrated here from Mexico and had my mom here in the States. And this is where I grew up. Uh, in California, specifically in Stockton, which is in, in the Central Valley. Yeah, and I think in part of that, um, I'm also mixed, uh, which means that my father's white. Uh, and so I am often very like white assumed and white passing, and then I do move about the world in a very different way than a lot of other folks do. Um, but understanding that privilege that I hold, I often um, try to use a lot, utilize it to uplift uh, other Black, Indigenous, and people of color, specifically those that do face other systemic barriers um, and unsafety compared to me. And it's definitely giving me the perspective of often see what happens to family members and who are often darker than I am. And then being able to like speak up and utilize that privilege has been very strange. Uh, but anyways, that's one piece. Um, another piece is that yeah, I definitely like love my family. Um, yeah, I grew up um, in Stockton uh, with my huge family who most of them immigrated from Mexico. And somehow there's like hundreds of us in the Central Valley, which is super cool. And I really enjoy. And so I grew up around family a lot, family, friends, um, and always had their love and support while growing up. Yeah, I still have their love and support even after coming out as queer and trans in the last six years. Um, I've also gotten my top surgery last year in November and, um, had my family support to be able to, yeah, heal gracefully and elegantly as I always do. Um, yeah, I've been able to have them. I also value friendship and relationships very deeply. Um, I try to give my 110% into, um, any relationship that I have. Um, even when there's points where I even might 
forget forget to like or go MIA for a couple months but that like I always love my friends and so it's just like a matter of like if you need me I'll be there um as well I love being outside as I think most of us at Justice Outside love doing one fun thing is that I recently started pole dancing um not so much as like a form of like empowerment uh in that realm that I feel but more of like just finally feeling able and comfortable to do things that I never could have imagined myself doing a lot like years ago. Um, and just finding a lot of joy and strength uh, in being able to do something like that. So you mentioned that you like to spend time outside. So mm-hmm. can you uh, tell us more about um, your relationship with the outdoors? So maybe starting with uh, like what it was like when you were younger up until now? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So as I shared earlier, like family was really, um, really like a huge part of my life and still continues to be. And so growing up, uh, the outdoors was always a place of being with family and being in connection with family. And so like going outside meant like, (laughs) I'm sure like a lot of people are maybe like only it comes up on like Latino, like TikTok and stuff is when, um, you know, like you bring out like the whole family and you bring out like the tables, you bring out like the carne, you bring out the arroz, you bring like everything. Um, and that when you go camping, it's more like bringing, like you're going glamping when you, when you go with my family, uh, which was always really fun. Um, and so it's like, you know, like it's been in those extremities and then, um, and like most of the time it would just be like us going to like to the, to the lake or the river and we would like always pack our food. Um, and like, you know, like my Nina's and my Nana would always be like making all the food for us as like kids. And we're like, you know, go play. Um, yeah, and I think that was always like really healing because I know that there's uh, like, especially like in my family, there's a lot of trauma with water, like a historical trauma with water. Um, and so being able to go and like be in the water and, and show like my tias and my and my abuelos that it's safe to be in the water and that there's like ways to like facilitate safety. Um, and I think that brought them a lot of joy to actually be, uh, to step into the water again, uh, even if it was just their feet. And so like, not even realizing that as a, as a young child, but like, you know, growing up and you're just like, dang, like that's so different. Or like hearing from my mom about like how things were different in that way. Yeah. And I think as I got older, I think that was something that like, like that continued to happen until I graduated, uh, high school. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I went to San Francisco state university and, um, yeah, like in the summer times, like I feel like that's like always like a running thread is like that always happens. But uh, when it came to like me and my alone time, um, I think being outside was always kind of like this place um, that felt a little strange to go into like by myself. Like I don't I think nowadays, like I definitely feel fine to go for like a solo hike and things like that. But the transition to, to college, it's like, you know, people would tell me they're like, oh, I'm going for a hike or like, you know, I go into the wilderness by myself. And that to me just always felt I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're just going by yourself? Um, cause that's just not the way that I experienced it. Um, and I think that like pinged a sense of curiosity of like, what does it feel like? And so I think in college like that, I feel like I started to build like a more, um, personalized or like not even personalized, but like felt like specific to me, like my relationship to the earth. Yeah. And then in college, I also, uh, ended up graduating or not graduating. I guess I did graduate. Um, I ended up majoring in recreation parks and tourism, which is actually how I came across justice outside or youth aside at the time. Cause Kim Moore Bailey, our CEO was actually my professor, uh, for, 
an urban recs and urban rec and park uh, class. And that's actually how I found out about OEI. And then I did it back in 2018. Um, and that really set off the, the like understanding of like, what are the other ways to like experience the outdoors? And so the Outdoor Educators Institute took me like rock climbing. We went backpacking. We went like sea kayaking. And like, I was like telling my mom all of these things that I was doing. And she was like, whoa, like, I didn't know that was something that you could even do. And I was like, me either. And then like, and then now she's like really into kayaking <laughs> after like, I was like, I was like, we have to go again. And she's like, okay. Um, and so the Outdoor Educators Institute gave me like that ability to like access those kinds of activities and learn like what else is out there. Um, and so I would say like post-college, I also did uh, an internship with literacy for environmental justice. And that got me really into like gardening and plants, specifically like with native plants and plant medicine. Um, and so I've been able to like foster that relationship. And then when I was like telling my Nana before she passed away about like all those things, um, yeah, my mom and her were both telling me like, oh, like that's like stuff that like a curandera does or like that's like, we know about these things are like, oh yeah, I used to do that when I was younger too. I was like, what do you mean? Like, or like all the natural remedies and like something like clicked for me. I was like, oh my God. And so that just felt like a really, really beautiful, deep connection to be able to like, even though like I was not told about that, it was like, I was like, oh, like, is this something that was, that's like laid out in front of me, like, like some kind of path that I'm supposed to continue, like this healing aspect of like this healer. Because I feel like a lot of folks in my family kind of hold that role of like, healer community gather and so that feels really special in its own way um so yeah I feel like now I just like go on adventures like with loved ones I still continue that same thread like going out with family going out with friends and uh being able to coordinate excuse me I uh, get to coordinate like things to like go and spend time with my my friends and people that I love even new people that I get to meet I'm like you want to go for a hike and and so um yeah it just feels like uh, it feels more like a space that I've always meant to be and love to enjoy being in. So, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you mentioned that, um, like, the start of you spending time alone in nature was strange because it was something that you weren't used to. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what was it that... Um, first inspired you to even try it and how is it now spending how does spending time alone in nature feel like now what did entice me I think it was just like a lot of people like talking about having like talked about it they're like yeah I go backpacking by myself or like I do this by myself yeah and I and I think there's like a lot of us that kind of struggle with knowing how to be alone with ourselves um or like knowing what to do I feel like that's something that I'm still trying to unpack for myself and unlearning yeah, but like what made me want to do it? That's a good question. I think honestly, like the connection to plants, uh, like really fostered that for me because it like it gave me like something to do. So it's like, like, you know, like plant identification or like being able to go and like harvest uh, like native plants and like turn them into medicine. Um, or even when there was times when it didn't feel like that, felt like like the earth was telling me like, ah, oh, like not right now. And then that would be something that I respected. And it was more like just needed to enjoy being where I was at. I don't know. I feel like I'm still kind of like on the journey with myself. Like, I don't think I go out very often by myself. I think I'll always at, like, at least bring one other person with me um, just because that's what feels comfortable. And I don't know if that just has to do with like feelings of unsafety going out by myself. Um, 
the way that I present and, um, or if it just has to do with something deeper that I still haven't unpacked, but like the times that I do go outside by myself, I think it gives me a lot of time to like sit with thoughts or sometimes the brain is just empty <laughs> and I'm just like, that's nice. Uh, it's constantly working in there. So, yeah. And I feel like I don't ever go really far by myself. I don't think I've ever gone. Like, I don't think I'm at that place for myself yet to go like backpacking by myself for several days. Uh, but I think at the capacity that feels good, is like, I'll go for like a small local hike. Um, and just like get to connect with the plants that are there and kind of see like what's up, what's going on, like see all the flowers, see the certain plants, collect seeds, throw them around. So Yeah, thank you. I yeah, I love that you like shared that because um of course like it's so beautiful to be in community in the outdoors, right? And to be able to yeah, to experience those moments with like loved ones. Um, but I also think there's something special about um, you know, our own personal relationship with nature and the outdoors. And so, yeah, I just appreciate you sharing that and how it's also like an ongoing journey, right? And how you're, we're constantly still learning about, um, of course, like ourselves, but also what our relationship with the outdoors means, means to us at like this point in our lives. So Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about what you do at Justice Outside? Um, so as you shared, I'm the Outdoor Educators Institute program coordinator. Essentially, I run the whole thing. Uh, specifically, I work uh, in the Bay Area uh, for their cohorts. Um, in a nutshell, it kind of looks like working with local partner organizations um, that we have a relationship with to be able to come out and offer experience and trainings to the participants. Um, who are primarily Black, Indigenous, and people of color who have faced uh, systemic and social barriers uh, to being able to either work or be involved in, in nature or the outdoors. And so it's usually it's very much for folks who are um, very, either starting off in their careers or are even just curious about what does it look like to be an outdoor educator or someone who works in the outdoors. Like if you like imagine like if if, like anybody who's like listening to this podcast like knows what like OEI is, um, a lot of time and intention goes into it to be able to facilitate a program that's hoping to change what being in the outdoors looks like or what uh, what programming in the outdoors looks like. Uh, Just because like for so many years or like the way that this nation was built, like when like outdoor education or being involved in the outdoors, like stems from white supremacy of like the sense of like othering of like that we are separate. Um, and a lot of organizations, like really big name organizations are built white by white people and white supremacists. And those entail or like those, those characteristics follow along into the way that programming and being in touch or like even being out in the outdoors looks like. And so I guess in an, like, like the Outdoor Educators Institute hopes to support folks who want to make it look, look and feel different. And so that's like, my job is to make sure that that experience gets to happen and that it inspires people to want to make it look different. Cause it's like, of course, like we don't do it perfectly cause we're still learning and things are constantly changing um, and different things are often being asked of us. And so it's like also my job to be able to like listen to those needs and to create that um, and to implement that. Um, even if I'm not always out in the field, it's like my responsibility to hold 
essentially to hold them through it, uh, hold the participants in the program uh, and then like the program partners as well through this experience to ensure that we are constantly making radical change, that we are the, uh, like the reason why Justice Outside has Karens as our logo is because we're the ones that are showing and leading the way of how to do it. And so like in this position, that's my responsibility. That's my job. Yeah, you do incredible work, Lau. I mean, what is Justice Outside without Lau and OEI? <laughs> um, and you mentioned that you um, you were actually a part of OEI. Um, can you share what uh, you remember most or that really stuck with you from that experience? There was a lot of moments that really stick out to me. Um, but I kind of, I remember, I remember specifically like what I talked about in my uh, like speech that I gave at our graduation, uh, which was talking about a moment um, when we went sea kayaking with environmental traveling companions. We're like about to take a trip around or like take like a kayaking trip around Angel Island. Um, but my boat flipped over. Me and my partner's boat flipped over, which was really scary um, but thankfully like ATC had did a training on like how to safely like pop out of the boat, how to like properly like eject. So like that was like, so it was like, like first top of mind. Um, and I remember like starting to like panic in the water because something like that is really scary. And I would say this was probably like one or two months into the program. So I was like, already had pretty good, good and close relationships with all of my, uh, part like fellow participants or my cohort. And I remember like Rachel Myers, like her boat, like scooted up right next to me and very gently, but like also very like, you, this is what you need to do. She told me to breathe. I don't know. Just something like as simple as that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Really struck me. And I don't know, like something clicked in my head. I was like, you're right. Uh, but I think even more importantly was that when like we finally got to shore and like we were finally put like, or like in safety again, um, I feel like often at like at that age, I was, I think I was like 20 or 21. Uh, I think I was like a lot in my head of like, what, like, what am I doing? Who am I am? Like intrusive thoughts of like, oh, I'm not doing well good enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not doing things right. I think that was like the first time in a really, really long time. I didn't really think about myself that way. And I think that had to do with the community that I was surrounded and like the way that OEI is like very specifically um, designed to be able to help you find community while you're going through this program. It's not just you going outdoors with a bunch of people. It's like, like you're going outside with community, uh, even if they're all like strangers to begin with. <clears throat> but I think we're all often coming from like a very similar place that we all just like get it. Like you can step into this space and like people just get it. Um, and so that was like, that was like really, um, really powerful. And I also think it's really funny because <clears throat> that same trip, I have no recollection of this at all, but uh, Dylan, my coworker who also works here and also my really close friend, they had shared, they were like, you know, on that same trip, uh, one of the questions that they had asked was like, why, like, why do you come into the outdoors? And I just said, I was like, I don't know, to feel beautiful, mm -hmm. to feel cool. Like that is like the most simple answer I can give. I was like, I don't really come out here for anybody else but myself. And I think that like, yeah, I, I, I have no, I like do not remember saying that, but that really like struck Dylan and like hearing him <laughs> tell that story was really funny. 
And so I, I think it like really connects to like, to that, to like my own story and my own experience and like what I remember from that trip, which was, yeah, I just came outside and like, yeah, my boat flipped over. Yeah, it sucked, but what else can I do than just move forward? Yeah. Because that's, I think, I thought it was pretty fucking cool that I was able to just like continue and move on and be like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, even though I know, uh, for other people, it might not have landed that way for them, but like, this is my experience and that's what really clicked and like felt really good to me that I always remember about OEI. So that's really badass, Lau. <laughs> And like you said, the fact that like you had someone also there mm-hmm. to remind you to breathe, right? And like how um, how significant that can be like in that situation, but like in life in general, right? So not too long ago, we had the um, OEI graduation. And like you said, it's not just a bunch of you know, folks going outside. Um, can you share a bit about as like what that is like for you? Like when you have these graduations to hear folks express what it means to them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like to me, it just like makes my heart very full. Um, yeah. To hear what they have to share every time. Um, there have definitely been times where people have made me cry (laughs) just like, um, like hearing like certain moments like that, like, because, you know, like I'm often like in the place of like coordinating that I don't always get to like witness like these really big significant Mm -hmm. moments for a lot of people. And then Mm -hmm. when they, when they get to share about that, I'm like, Oh my God, like, I didn't even know that's like what that meant to you. That was just like another weekend that I had to run. So, um, it feels, it feels good to, to like hear those, like what it means to people, this program that I, that I run and build really get to touch and connect people. Cause I know what it meant for me and I want nothing more than to make it feel like that for them. Um, it comes from a very personal place, um, to be able to build this. And <clears throat> I, I always find it really exciting when, there's like the really quiet or like shy people in a cohort and they, and oftentimes I'm always like kind of curious. I'm like, are they having a good time? Are they not having a good time? Uh, and then sometimes those are the people that share most deeply and wholeheartedly, like what this meant for them. And I'm just like, dang, um, that makes me really happy as well. I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, it just makes me really happy and really hopeful that like the work that we're doing, like, even though it might feel really small at times, I know that it's making a huge impact for people. Uh, like, even if it's just like one person leaves a cohort, um, feeling absolutely empowered and, and hopeful as well. That's like, that's the best that I want to do. Or like, that's just, that's the minimum of what I want to be able to do. But I know I do better than that. So, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I know this program means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, it, it does. It definitely does. Um, and I, I also think, like you said, about like the folks that are quiet and um, more introverted, like it just goes to show too, right? Like the the kind of space that is created and the warmth and um, yeah, like the the way folks feel welcomed and like how important that is. 
you're doing wonderful work and I think <laughs> and yeah I think it's just really awesome to hear from folks and to hear what this experience means to them because yeah it can be you know it's like such a busy time for y'all um that I'm sure it is nice to like you know end it and end it with that as a reminder of like truly the significance of the work that you're doing um yeah so and I think you already answered this but I'm going to ask it just in case there's anything else you wanted to add but uh, what has been like the most valuable aspect of OEI for you yeah I think I'll just reiterate that I think that like yes all the experiences and the trainings that people receive are like really great um but I think oftentimes people come and come looking for community and leave with that even if they weren't looking Sometimes it's like that. They didn't even know that I need that they needed that. So I think that's the most valuable aspect of OEI and that I often that I feel like is very different compared to a lot of programs. So I I just want to say, like, as someone who is in a different department of justice outside, um, like, of course, I know that the work that y'all are doing is so important, but I feel like we don't really um uplift like the building community aspect of it is such uh is you could even say like even more significant than you know the specific activities or you know yeah, like you said folks Lee would we would hope in many cases like lifelong connections mm-hmm. right and that's like beautiful gift so my next question for you is um switching to like who you are outside of justice outside uh you mentioned earlier that you're into plant medicine so i just wanted to ask a bit more about that and like how it was that you got into it and um yeah i guess we can start there so yeah it all kind of started when i was doing an internship at literacy for environmental justice uh, and it came from my supervisor, mentor slash now friend, Bridget Yanez. Um, yeah, and she, she was the one that really showed me, uh, I think like even to like back it up, like Bridget, yeah, like, yes, Bridget was the person that showed me all of these things, but, um, it, it, like the connection that I felt to her earlier on was when I was like looking for an internship, um, I was like going to these, all these different places and Bridget was like one of the very few people that heard what I wanted to do and curated something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also like, you know, supportive to her as well. Like, it, or like not her, but like her, like the position that she was in. And so like instantly, like I knew that this was a person that I wanted to continue working with. And so in that internship learned about like California native plants, specifically in the Bay area, learned about environmental racism and toxicity uh, within like the Bayview Hunters Point in San Francisco. Uh, But she even took like, like she didn't need to do this, but she took the time to really teach me about plant medicine and like would just like tell me like these really cool, like random facts at points, how like carrot seeds when like used correctly and in the right doses, like can be used as like a form of birth control like she just like spouted that out of nowhere I was like on a hike and I was like excuse me <laughs> like what do you mean that's so cool um I don't know and then I feel like like even though I haven't um like worked in a, like a native plant garden or like in restoration in those ways like that the, the things that I learned from her and from that experience like continue to like 
anytime I go outside, I'm like, that's some sticky monkey flower and you can use it for this. Or like, that's yarrow and you can use that for this. It just never felt like it left me. Like, it felt like it's really much a part of me. And like I was sharing earlier, like, it feels like there's like this higher meaning or like this deeper connection that I think goes like past my lifetime, like centuries back. Like it's some kind of like ancestral connection because um, it just feels so natural and so easy. And people will often ask me, they're like, well, how do you know this? Or like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. It just, it's so easy. Like for some people, like birding, like comes naturally to them and something that might be something that's like ancestral for them or like people who, I don't know, there's like so many different ways to like interact with the outdoors. Like people who are like really into mushrooms, like there's something deeper there that's like ancestral. And for me, it just happens to be like plants and medicine. Um, and it always feels really good. Like the medicine that I make, like you can't see, but there's like huge cabinet over here, like just has like jars of like tinctures that I've made or infusions that I've made, some balms that I've made. Um, and it feels really good. Like, like any, like any friend or like a housemate or something like that, they're like, Oh, I'm sick or something like that. I'm like, can I make you a tea? Or like, I have something for that. Like I made it. And so, um, it just feels good to be able to like hand that to them be like, Oh, it's made with extra love because it came from me and not like, you know, like some factory or something. <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's really awesome, Lau. Um, and also super impressive that you're able to remember all of it. But like you said, you know, it just feels like supernatural and that's probably what makes it so, or like much more easier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And is there, um, how do you, cause I'm sure you're like constantly like also learning more about it. Like how is it mm-hmm. that you, um, is it like, speaking to other other folks that are really into it or mm-hmm. like where do you continue to learn that is a good question um I think most oftentimes like it still continues to be Bridget like her and I still talk okay um and I feel like anytime we go outside together I'll learn something new from her mm-hmm. I I to be quite honest like I haven't had put a lot of time into plant medicine recently or like with um excuse me uh with like with plants in general. Um, but like, uh, I feel like a lot of it also comes like from the internet, mm-hmm. uh, like on TikTok, the black forager, mm-hmm. I cannot remember her name, but I know that's like her handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I learned a lot of stuff from her, but she's also, I think she's on the East coast or in the South. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just always fun to like learn from other people. Like it's mostly like from videos and TikTok and the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like hoping, and it also comes like learning from like my Nana, um, like, I, I feel like I learned a lot from her. And I think it wasn't until like I started to really sit with like things that she would do, like the medicine that she, or like the, she, like whenever I got sick, she like would make this tea. When I was younger, like I thought it was like really yeah. disgusting. <laughs> but then, and like, as you grow up, you're like, oh, like all these things, all of these things are like right. super good. So it was like, like things that are things that like from my past and growing up mm-hmm. that I learned from my, my mom and my nana and like from my family that I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, put that into the, put this into like the plant medicine, like natural mm-hmm. remedies kind of toolkit that I'm building. And then I guess there's also, um, yeah, there's like certain classes or programs that I hope to take one day that I think will really help me build my skill set. Yeah. Um, to be able to be able to connect, connect with plants in different ways or like be a better understanding of how honor the plant. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Ways that I can really honor a plant, um, and honor the medicine that it gives. So are there, you also mentioned, um, 
that you recently got into pole dancing. Um, do you, would you mind sharing more about that and like any other hobbies that you have going on? I feel like I'm one of those people that like does a hobby for a little bit and I'm like, yes, I'm like, this is my hobby. And then like, I'll forget about it for months and you're like, oh, I should probably pick that up again. Um, but yeah, but about pole dancing specifically, um, yeah, I, I kind of all started with like one of my housemates started doing it and she was like, Hey, they're doing like, they're doing like another like newbies course, like performance course, if you want to do it. And I was like, honestly, yeah, like that looked so like that looks so cool and like so beautiful. And like, I want to be able to like do that. And, um, and I think that had to do in part of having had my top surgery, how my body kind of feels like my own, like not having, um, breasts really changes things for me deeply. Like it feels one, like one of them has to do with like with gender and like feeling affirmed in my gender, like waking up and be like, being able to wear like this button up and you know, just like that feels nice. Uh, but there also comes like the aspects and the pieces of um, that's also relying on like the way that other people perceive me. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know if this, like this course or like pole dancing would have felt, felt the same if I was, if I like, if I still had them, I don't know if I would have ever done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And so like for me to actually feel like good and comfortable and like actually having a really good time in, in my pole classes like was kind of like one of like the first things that I knew that I wanted to do, like was like kind of like on the bucket list of like things that I wanted to do after like after recovery, simply because I wanted to see how it would feel. How do I feel now in my body? And so that I guess in a way has felt liberating, but like not in the sense of like sexual liberation, not to say like that's bad. Like I'm so glad that people come through and like have that experience for themselves. Mm -hmm. But that's just like, that's just like not what my, like what my experience kind of is. Um, that is like really cool to like see other people like do all these tricks and stuff. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to feel that strong. Like that is, and like, they look so beautiful doing it. And I was like, that's going to be me someday. (laughs) Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, And I think there, I think it's also like opened up this whole other, like, I used to think that I was a bad dancer mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it had to do like in middle school, I told a lot of people this story, but I think it all started in middle school, uh, when I wanted to take like a hip hop class. Uh, and I remember going and this just like show goes to show that like facilitators are like being able to like facilitate is way different than like just teaching something. Mm-hmm. I just remember like the teacher there, he was like, he had, a, he had like his son there and his son was like super good. And he's like, if y'all can't like keep up with my kid, like maybe this ain't for you. And I was like, Right. And I must not, then it's like the awkward age of like, like I'm going through puberty. Like I feel awkward in my body. And like, I knew that this was, anyway, so that happened. And I think that like, kind of just like ingrained to my brain that like, I was like, Oh, maybe I'm just like not going to dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking this class, I kind of like taking like the course that I'm taking for pole class. I was like, Oh, maybe I won't be very good at this. And then we started getting into it. And I was like, Oh, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of good at this. It's like five, six, seven, eight, like, let's go. Um, and so that just felt like a lot of like healing and unlearning that came with that class. And so I'm hoping to like get into different forms of dance as well. Like I, that feels really exciting for me. Um, so like that now that's like on the, I'm like, now I'm going to take a hip hop class and maybe things will feel. Yes. You show that Um, middle school teacher law. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like you didn't believe it. That's all right. Um, I'm going to prove you wrong and that's all right. 
Um, yeah, and so that's exciting. Um, what are other things that I do? <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I like to cook. I like to cook a lot. I think I've recently gotten into making a lot of more, a lot more, um, like Mexican traditional di- dishes. And, uh, one time I made mole, me and my friend Alicia, we made mole from scratch and it just like felt really cool to be like, Oh, like that wasn't that hard yeah. to make from scratch. <laughs> like, did you know that peanut butter went into this? And I was like, Nope. Um, I didn't and so that it just felt like really, like a really, really strong connection. Like to the, the ingredients that we were using <clears throat> and also like this sense of like healing of like, Oh, there's like so many processed, like, you know, like making mole with, uh, with like, like the paste that you make. And it's like, you know, like, and I, and I think that like comes like with that same, that same kind of thing of like that connection to plant medicine or like with food, like food is medicine. And so being able to like get deeper with the ingredients and actually know what I'm putting into my body um, and being able to like, um, feed other people that I love, like with this kind of food, like I think next time I definitely won't make it as spicy. Um, <laughs> it was so good though. Uh, but I was like, I think if I wanted to eat this, like, cause it was, it was just like so flavorful, but it was so hot. I was like, I don't know if I can eat anymore. Like I'm literally sweating right now. Um, and like, like just like knowing that or like knowing where like that spice comes from or like knowing exactly what's going in, like that feels really cool. I've also, I also like accidentally or unintentionally made an entirely vegan, um, like Mexican meal, like, oh, wow. uh, arroz rojo, um, was like made in like a vegan style. I also made, uh, frijoles from scratch, which is one of my new favorite things. I'm like, mm-hmm. now I can like, I'm like, I'm like the ancestors would be so yeah. proud of frijoles <laughs> right here. Um, like it's so full flavorful. And then like my house ate them in like three days and I was like, Whoa, and I got 12 people living up in this house or like, I guess 10 people right now. But like that's a lot of people, and like yeah. three days, beans gone, dang. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I made like nopales, um, and like like oh, like chile verde, but with nopales instead. Um, and so and then like I think I was like telling people what I had made. I was like, I'm presenting house dinner, and I was just like, oh, this whole thing is vegan. Yeah, I just had a little ounce of like dairy or anything went into this. Um, so I felt really cool. And it was delicious. I bet it was delicious. And that's super, yeah, it's super impressive. Um, and yeah, I'm sure like such a nice feeling. And you, like you said, to be able to like feed the folks, like, yeah, the folks that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? I know that the hobbies question is like. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. And um, what you like you said earlier about um that sometimes like you feel like you get like a hobby, but like for a short amount of time and then um, that you like tell yourself like, Oh, I should like do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I can totally relate to that. Um, but I also think like sometimes we just pick it up when we need it. Right. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's just what we needed in that moment. I also like, um, of course, like a lot has to do with like work and being like tired and you know not necessarily always having the energy for those it, choices right? are so big yes. yeah because sometimes it's not necessarily that we just you know got bored and gave up on it it's just like the energy mm-hmm. um but yeah it doesn't matter if yeah if there's something that you just picked up and did it for like a few days I still say like 
it's a hobby of yours. <laughs> you know, it still counts. Um, um, so like you mentioned, you do spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, what is one outdoors tip that you have? Mm-hmm. I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> but if you only want one, I guess I can keep it to one. Um, or you know what? I'll just like go off the cuff and be like, no, I'm going to share all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you? Because I know that maybe just narrowing it down to one is... That's really hard. Kind of There's so yeah. many. <laughs> There's so many. Um, yeah, I think this is something that I say a lot. And like, I, <laughs> like you, you did send these questions ahead of time. And I was like asking my friends, I was like, what should I say for this one? What's the one tip that I've shared with y'all that you think like I should say? And then they all had a different one. I was like, fantastic. (laughs) But one of them had said, um, I don't even know what I said or what she said, but something about belonging outside, which is essentially to say, um, I know this is like really hard for some people or like it takes a lot more steps for other people to get to this place. But this like idea of knowing that you belong outside, like the world is, the world is yours to have. Um, like even with the the barriers that it takes to like, um, to get outside oftentimes, um, like even if it just means like going outside on a walk in your neighborhood or means that you go on a walk at your local park, whatever kind of, or like even just like building like a garden or like building like, or even just like having like a small plant that you take care of, Mm -hmm. like whatever it means for you to be outside is like, that's your way of being outside. And that matters. And that's radical in its own special way of showing the resiliency that we as Black, Indigenous, and people of color have to wanting things that we are owed and that we deserve. And to not feel like, you know, when people say like getting outside, like it doesn't mean like going to like Yellowstone Park or to Yosemite's. Like that's just one piece. Right. Like, yes, those places are amazing, but that's just one piece. Mm-hmm. And so finding what your piece that feels radical and real for you to hold on to it and to have resiliency to be able to hold that is probably like essentially like that's what I try and spout like through OEI is like that we all deserve to be here mm. in whatever capacity that looks like. Mm. And then on a less serious note, <laughs> I don't know, I was like texting my mom earlier today, so that's like why she's on my mind. Mm-hmm. But um her and I, uh, like growing up, like, you know, she would be the person to like, take us on all these like adventures, like to the lake, to the river. Like my mom is the foundational piece to my like entire extended family, like being able to go out places. Like my mom's like, I got the minivan, let's go. Um, and I think there was always something where, uh, she would always say like, we're, we're not lost. We're on an adventure. (laughs) I think. And I think that like still really resonates with me. Like as I continue to grow up, I think there's always like this expectation of like, oh, like when you go outside, like you need to have like a whole plan. You need to know what you're doing. Um, but I think just like another tip is like, yes, like you should still like be prepared for the worst out or not for the worst outcomes. This time, not on wood, but like you should always be prepared, you know, like when you go outside to be able to take care of yourself and others. But also like you should leave room for like the the loss for the adventures getting lost um i like to just go places and to experience something that maybe you not maybe you didn't plan for but you know in your heart like that's gonna feel really good so yeah go out there and adventure is what i would say you're not getting lost (laughs) you're on an adventure 
I love both of those tips so much, Lau. Both so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything final that you want to share? Anything that I didn't ask and uh, should have asked? I don't feel like there's anything anything else to share, but I just want to say thank you again for being able to put on this podcast for us. And yeah, and I think like with this piece is like, you know, like we're not just an organization, like we're people. And I think you and like your team having this idea to like really show us as people, I think is so powerful. Um, And so I just want to thank you for like the space to let me share about myself, um, for others to speak about themselves, because I think we all deeply care about the work that we're doing here. And for us to share like the other ways in which we move about the world to be seen and to be loved. I just want to thank you for the opportunity. No, and thank you so much for making the time and for everything that you shared. I can't wait for when this episode goes up. Yeah, thank you so much, Lau. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners, old and new, for joining our conversation today. Any resources and other third-party references can be found in our show notes. To stay up to date with our podcast, please subscribe. Please take a moment to leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think about our podcast. If you want to learn more about Justice Outside and our work, follow us on social media and subscribe to our newsletter at www justiceoutside.org Finally, if you have any questions you'd like us to ask in future interviews or have any feedback overall, please reach out to us through media at justiceoutside.org We hope you'll join us next time at Joy Outside.